Thank you for listening to the Potter's House Tri-Cities Podcast, located here in Pasco, Washington, where lives are still being changed for Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoy it. Let's open our Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to be in verse 22 and 23. That's one of the scriptures. We're also going to be in Matthew chapter 3 verse 11. So 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22 and 23, and then Matthew chapter 3, um, verse 11. First of all, I just want to thank everybody for um, um, putting together just a wonderful, wonderful thing yesterday. Um, just it means the world to our family. Um, we really thank you guys uh, for embracing us that way. So um, thank you so much for that. And also, whoever um, um, decided to give me por- a Porter's gift card, you guys are amazing. <laughs> I, ha- I had a, a, um, a huge beef rib. I don't know if you guys saw the picture. It was, um, it was about the godliest thing I can do that day. <laughs> it was an amazing thing. All right. It screamed Republican. So anyway. <laughs> 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, and then Matthew chapter 3, um, verse 11. When my wife and I moved here, um, one of the new natural disasters for us, we're used to hurricanes um, down south in Houston, but one of the things that we're not used to are wildfires. Um, It's too humid over there for wildfires. So that's something that was new for us. Um, When we arrived, um, I believe it was 2017, there was a wildfire that was one of the bigger ones. There was a famous one. There was a kid in Oregon, I believe, that threw a firework or um, into the into the forest there. And um, it was Canada, Oregon, and Montana that had wildfires. And it is as if the smoke came up and all decided to dump into the Tri-Cities. Um, I remember um, getting headaches and having issues um, breathing. Um, there, so I began to look into it. There are three dynamics in wildfires or at least in trying to put one out or containing it. One is fuel, the other one is weather, and the third one is topography. Fuel is a combustible material, includes vegetation, such as grass, leaves, ground litter, plants, shrubs, trees, is what gives the flames more, or the fire more flames, things that it can burn up. That's one of them. Two is the weather. Um, the state of the atmosphere at a place and time as regarding heat, um, the dryness, the sunshine, um, wind, rain, and all kinds of different things. And then topography is the arrangement of the natural, uh, the natural and artificial physical features of an area. It's literally what you see on your map, how you can tell that if there's a place that's higher than the other ones and just the, what it has to travel against as far as the wildfires go. They say the most effective way to put out a raging wildfire is to remove or to use up its fuel. In other words, is that somewhere you've got to figure out what wildfire can uh, continue to accelerate on. And what the way they try to do it is they predict the direction of the wildfire using topography and weather. And they do what's called a controlled fire. They go and they begin to burn up um, the trees. It sounds almost counterintuitive, but they start their own 
controlled fire so that whenever the wildfire shows up, it has no more fuel to burn up. And the idea is that it causes a gap in the wildfire's path, and it doesn't continue to keep on growing, and it stops right there. Does that make sense this morning? It's literally called fighting fire with fire. Our strategy this morning as Christians, our strategies this morning as believers, as the church of Christ, is this very thing, is that when hell brings out its fires and its attack against us, that by the time it reaches us and it tries to touch us, we've been burnt by the, ho- the fire of the Holy Ghost. Is that somewhere the fuel that the, the hell needs, which is people, is burned up and is marked, is taken up by heaven and God and the Holy Ghost. Our strategy is to run to Jesus and not only to run for doctrine, not theology, but to be touched by his spirits. And this morning, my intention or my goal is for you to be touched this morning in preparation for our revival. Revival starts today. It doesn't start on Sunday. It starts today, this morning, or next Sunday. It starts this Sunday. That somewhere our hearts are being prepared, our hearts are being prepped, and somewhere God's touching us so that whenever hell begins to try to attack us before revival, which I'm going to talk because it happens, we're already touched by the Holy Ghost and the baptism of fire. That somewhere God's fire will begin to continue to consume us the way that he's always been. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22 says, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart, verse 23, says, Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. Now check this out, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11 says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and what? Say it one more time, fire. I want to preach a sermon that I've entitled Fighting Fire with Fire this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, God, that you give us. God, I do not come in my talents or abilities, Father, but I pray for your anointing, God, God, I pray that you will anoint every word that comes out of our, uh, my mouth this morning, God. And every person in this place, God, I pray that you will touch them with your fire, God. God, touch them with your Holy Ghost. Prepare us, God, to receive what you have for us, God, next weekend, God. God, that our revival, God, may be powerful, God, that you will prepare the souls of your church this morning, God. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people of God said this morning. Amen. I want to start off with my first point, and that is the raging flames from hell. I want to give you a revelation this morning, or maybe it's not, or it shouldn't be. There is a hell that is very real, and it has a strategy for you. Amen? That somewhere hell is trying to do something in your life. That there is a real devil... That there is a real um, hell that has strategy or is strategizing something to burn you, to uh, take effect against your life, to take effect against your family. And somewhere one of the things you have to understand is that not only do you have a loving God, but you have a hateful enemy. Hell has a strategy. Paul's advice to Timothy comes after his explanation in our scripture 
of vessels unto honor and dishonor. When you read this scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, when you read it in context with the other ones, you understand that Paul is giving Timothy advice over how to remain pure. Verse 20, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful um, for the master, prepared for every good work. And then this is where it goes on in verse 22. Flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Somewhere Paul is telling Timothy, this is what happens in church, but this is what you have to do. And this morning I'm here to remind you that there will be times in our church where, you know what, the people who you love are there, but then there will also be vessels for dishonor. There'll be times where there's going to be strife. There's going to be times where the devil sneaks in and begins to try to cause division, begin to distract you from what God wants to do, begin to steal your devotion, steal your mindset, steal your goals and vision in life. There are people who will be used this honorably. Stumbling stones. You consider Joseph at Potiphar's house. That somewhere this Potiphar's wife begins to try to make him stumble. You ever try to tell somebody you're my stumbling stone? Or maybe you identify him as that, but you don't necessarily call him that because you don't want to get in a fight. But you're like, bro, listen, you're, 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 you're somebody, all right? You're something else. <laughs> I mean, think about Joseph at Potiphar's house. He's doing his job. I mean, if you guys know that story. That somewhere he's there and he's just being a faithful servant. He's there, he represents God, he represents Israel in a, in, a, in a place, in a pagan place like Egypt. But there was a strategic fire from hell trying to consume him. I mean, they set him up. Accusation, We're, we live in a time of accusations. They, somewhere, listen, they, there's a setup. They, the woman has part of his robe because he tries to run away. It's strategic. How many people in the Bible have we seen that fell for some sort of deception? You can speak about Eve and the snake. You can speak about Samson and, Del uh, and Delilah, Judas and money. You know, when you, when, when you begin to read it in hindsight or when you see it after how we see it in the Bible, we begin to see, man, that was like strategic. It was planned. It was premeditated. It was somewhere hell had a, a, a plan for that person. Well, let me guys know when you're in the midst of it or when it's against you, it's real hard to see it that way. I want to tell you this morning, church, that hell not only has a plan for you, but hell has a strategy for our church. And somewhere as we put our visions together, some of you guys were here for that, um, uh, for that ministry meeting that I gave, and I gave a vision statement for each uh, ministry, the song service has this statement, this vision. Um, each and every single, we have a goal that we, that we're, what are we trying to do? And, and in the midst of all this, I want to tell you, hell has a vision statement for us. That somewhere hell has ministry meetings. That somewhere Satan is preparing something against us as a church. And somewhere we can't be so ignorant or so naive to think that if we're going to win Pascal for Jesus, if we're going to win our families for Jesus, that it's not going to be a fight. 
See, I want to tell you, hell wants you to miss out on what God has for you. Before each revival, I remember, and my wife can testify to this, when we were disciples in, in the Houston church, before each revival, we will see a, in different levels, different dynamics, but we'll see an attack from hell. I mean, we'll see all kinds. I remember we were having revival um, in Galveston, uh, the first church that my wife and I pioneered. And, and every time the drive from, from our home to church, we had to go through a cemetery. Uh, yeah, and it was crazy. <laughs> Um, and it was a weird cemetery, too. It wasn't just a normal one. I mean, heathens died there probably. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they did. I don't know. I was just trying to prove a point. Whatever. <laughs> so, so as we're driving there, we're in the midst of revival. I mean, we're, we're having the, this guy's about to, he's, he's about to preach just wonderful, you know, wonderful things. And it all of, I think it was like three of our tires popped in the, in the middle of, a, of the cemetery <laughs> in my suit. I mean, in all kind of, and listen, that's small things. I remember I have a friend in Houston. His name is um, um, Robert Correa. Um, one day he woke up. His wife's foot was broken. Just like broken. She couldn't, she couldn't move her foot, and it was just and it was in the midst of revival. And listen, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to scare you, but somewhere what I'm, I'm trying to paint a picture to you that you know what, that in the midst of revival, that as we're pushing and putting our shoulders to the plow, that somewhere hell begins to, say, begins to see, begins to say, you know what, I'm not just going to let them do it. There's going to be a fight. One of the things we need as Christians is that we need to recognize the characteristics of hell's wildfire. One of them is people are its fuel. When it comes down to wildfires and attacks from hell, fuel is its people. This is what trends in social, social culture is about. It is people setting waves of influence. This is why it's a trip for people that Kanye West has saved. Because for a long time, he was setting all kinds of wildfires. He was setting all kinds of different trends. He was setting all kinds of different things. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Kim Kardashian has a, it's her own trend. The Kardashians set this wildfire that somewhere people begin to be consumed by it. In other words, hell will use influencers, will use men and women who have platforms. And this is very true when it comes down to church. That somewhere as a leader, that some, can I tell you the bigger you get in ministry, the bigger your target gets? That the, big, the more things you do for God, the bigger your target gets. And somewhere you have to trust that God has my back. People setting ways of influences. Everybody wants to be famous. This is why we're seeing things get worse in our world. Because more and more people are buying the lie. More and more people want to, you know, instead of being godly men, they want to be like the Migos. They want to go and, you know what, and be these trap stars. They want to go in, in all kinds of different levels that you can speak about. But somewhere, listen, this is why we're in this mess. And the problem is that the church is beginning to accept this very thing. That the wildfire begins to consume the people, and it's consuming people in the church. That somewhere you begin to accept and tolerate these very things. Can I tell you that if you're not careful, you can also be a tool in hell's wildfire. You know, the biggest factor in weather is the wind. When it comes down to wildfire, 
is where it begins to push it. You have these firefighters who go out and they, and they try to gauge at it. They say, okay, so based on the topography and based on what the weather says, it's going to go this way. And if the wind decides to go the other way, then it begins to just change everything. The fire begins to travel in a different way. Social media in Hollywood have accelerated sexual immorality. I mean, I'm talking about turbo speed. It's like accessible to everything. I mean, to everybody. You know, even like in our generation, everybody here, like the youngest person here, it wasn't as accessible to you when you were a child. I mean, somewhere you had to go do different things. And, you know, now all kinds of immorality is just, it's, it's on your lap. It's in your pocket. It's next to your Bible many times at night. And the only way or the biggest, most effective way to flee hell, or I said it, right, is to flee. Fleeing is the number one, number one way to stay away from fires. You guys, you, did you guys follow any wildfires last year? Like keeping up with them? There was a big one in California, the, the biggest, biggest one in California. I don't know if it was two years ago or just last year. Um, yeah, it was, it was huge. And, and there's people who get forcefully evacuated. There's people who want to stay in their home and say, you know, no, I'm staying here. I grew up here. I'm dying here. But then somewhere they begin to, you know, evacuation, it takes, it takes some steps, right? They're like, hey, there's a wildfire coming. Be careful. And then, this, then the next step is, hey, I, we really recommend everybody to leave. And then the third one, a lot of times, says, I don't want to see anybody in our city. <laughs> everybody leave because this wildfire is for real. Can I tell you, listen, fleeing is our strategy. In our scripture, this is what it says. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, so flee, say with me, flee. This means to run. This means to um, not be touched by it. This means to be avoided. I mean, it's a picture of somebody running from his life to avoid contact, to avoid any type of communication with this thing. I want to give you a tip this morning or just remind you that you don't have what it takes to fight fire. You don't, have what you, do, you don't have what it takes to fight against hell. Normal citizens are, are not only advised, but they are required to evacuate danger zones in a wildfire. And that is my claim to you this morning, is that you need to run away from sin. Is that you need to run away from youthful passions, from sexual immorality, from drugs and alcohol. It's not things that you just touch for a minute or it's not things that you say, you know what, I'll keep it around me, but I won't do anything. This is why many times my wife and I, we won't even go to certain parties or certain events because we don't want it around us. I remember I went to um, um, a party of a, of a Christian um, it was just like a fellowship, but he had um, different um, just friends outside of Christianity come, and they wanted to bring alcohol, so they let them. And you're like, well, listen, and the way you, it, she, the person would justify themselves is, well, I'm a Christian, I'm not going to drink. Yeah, but you know, you, you don't know how much temptation that is. You don't know, you don't know if the person that's coming to church or that, that, that's coming to church that's coming to your house that day is going to be tempted by that. There needs to be more than just our intention to be saved. There needs to be more than just saying, you know what, I try to be perfect, or I try to be godly, or I try to do this. You know, you always hear the intention is what matters, or the thought is what matters, but not in wildfires. Not when it comes down to sin. Not when it comes down to lust. It's not just the thought. 
Oh, I try not to kiss her. That doesn't work, right? <laughs> oh, I try not to lay, lay down. No, you, you, you set some parameters. I want to move on to my second point, and, the, and that is fighting fire with fire. The, the strategy here is that somewhere you will create a gap. The idea is to create a gap in the path of hell. Now that we've settled, and I think you've understood this morning, that hell has a specific plan for you. There's a room in hell somewhere where they meet, and they have blueprints up there, and your name's on there. All right? Does that paint a good picture? It says, I have a plan for Christian. <laughs> I have a plan for so-and-so. Fill in your name in there. And somewhere you begin, to, you begin to think, you know what, if they have a plan and there's a direct path, path towards me, how can I stop that? Well, it starts like this. Somewhere you create a gap, which is an absence of fuel for the wildfire. Once something is burnt to ashes, it won't catch fire again. Do you guys understand that? When the fire reaches the fuel, it begins to make it ashes. And when the wildfire begins to reach it, it can't burn it again. It begins to die off. This is the idea that I'm trying to portray or give you this morning. Is that somewhere if you allow God's Holy Spirit to baptize you like our scripture says with fire. Then somewhere you've been marked, you've been touched and hell can't use you. Hell can't begin to touch you. Hell can't begin to do its plan that it has for you because God got to you first. But see the problem is that fire is fire. It consumes all areas of your life. You guys know it's hard to set just an area of, just a small area on fire. It's many times it's hard to control. It begins to spread out, and and some. I remember one time as a kid, um, we did crazy stuff. We had um, uh, we had lighter fluid, and we put it all over the front yard. And when they see how it goes, and we threw a firework in there, and it just busted up, you know. And one of my cousins had his foot on the grass, and his, then his pants caught on fire, and you know, it's, it was just. I mean, crazy. Yeah, rolling on the floor, you know, because oh, that's all you remember, stop, drop, and roll. Right? <laughs> like, and then you begin to do, because you can't control it. And listen, and that, and that is true when it comes down to the Holy Ghost. You're like, God, I want you to baptize me in fire, but just, just, just Sunday mornings. <laughs> just this area. No, it begins to touch everything. This is why people don't want what God has many times. This is why many people don't want, because it, it holds you accountable. Now you got to live right. Now there's responsibilities. This is why many people avoid God's will because it affects all areas. Can I tell you, listen, you, you're not going to get sent out if you only come to church Sunday mornings. You're not going to get sent out if all you do is come to church. You got to pray at home. Now somewhere you got you to labor. You're not going to be effective in ministry if all you do is just come and attend services. Somewhere you're going to have to allow God to baptize you with his all-consuming fire. You have to fight back. You're going to have to strategize and say, God, touch me before hell touches me. In 1906, San Francisco suffered a huge earthquake and wildfire. So what the city tried to do is they used explosives, explosives in an attempt to clear a path. But the problem is that they used people who were untrained. The untrained crews in instead helped spread the wildfire. By mid-afternoon, April 18, 1906, San Francisco was a ring of fire, a pillar of smoke, and they had no water there. 
You know, this morning, many, many, many of the things that we do is, is untrained. And I understand a lot of this. I understand that we're not professionals. In, amen? You guys understand that? We had a theme in, in a conference one time. It said, taking over the world on minimum wage. But see, the simple fact that somewhere you want God to do something in your life should cause you to blow some things up. That somewhere you need to say, you know what, I, this is a big deal for me, and I need God to do something for me. This is why I preach that sermon on maturing, that we need the spiritual gifts. Did you guys forget that sermon already? Are we still contending for the spiritual gifts? Every single day you pray, God, help me. God, give me. I want, I want to see this very thing. Our strategy needs to be to allow God to consume us with his fire. This is what needs to happen to, to happen to us. Some of you guys, you need to be burned this morning. You need, you need the Holy Spirit to mark you. You need the Holy Spirit to come and consume you so that when hell comes against you, it begins to say, I can't do anything to that person. You know, it's the idea, right? Remember the, the Pharisees see the disciples cast out demons. So they're like, hey, man, I want to do it. And they begin, to ca- they begin to try, and they're trying everything that Peter was doing. You know, they're bouncing on their toes, probably they're laying hands. I rebuke you, you know, and all kinds of things. And the demon, the Bible says the demon rises up and says, Jesus, I know. It says, Paul, I know, but who are you? In other words, he's saying, you haven't been marked. You haven't been anointed. Somewhere there is no fire. There is no Holy Ghost in you. There's not, it, can I tell you this morning that it's, not, it's, just, it's just not combo words. It's not what it is. It's not just magical spells that we, they know that we throw up there. It's, somewhere the idea is that, that God can touch you. That God can use you as a vessel. I want to tell you this morning, church, for a revival, to be effective, we need a church who has been marked by God's fire. Revival starts today. Today. This means that by Sunday when evangelist Sho Kishimoto shows up, he's going to be like, man, I need to step up. He's going to show up. He's going to walk into what? Revival. He's going to walk into a church that's been marked by the Holy Ghost. That somewhere all he's going to do is continue going or continue to keep on pushing what we're already doing. There needs to be a church who is seeking revival now. Not Sunday morning. Not when the evangelist shows up. But what can God do today? I want to close on my third point. And that is what we need is for God to mark us with fire. We need to pursue God. It needs to be an endless pursuit of God. I'm talking about looking for Him every single day, every single second of your life. This word pursue means to follow someone or something in order to catch or attack them in other words that somewhere your your goal is to grab them your goal is to get a hold of jesus it's not just religion it's not just being a better person but you're pursuing so that you can catch up and say jesus i can touch you god i can feel you i see you in my life is this woman with the issue of blood that touches the the, uh, the mantle of Jesus and somewhere that touch begins to um, let go of Jesus' power. That's what we want in pursuit. This is the next step that Paul tells Timothy, flee youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. In other words, it's not just running away from hell, but it's running towards heaven. It's not enough to flee lust. We need Jesus to fill us up. 
You also got the scripture in Matthew when it speaks about the, the empty house. Where there's somewhere the person gets delivered and their house is clean and the demon roams around. Looking for a place to lay his head and can't find one. So comes back and checks on that house. Sees that it's empty. So brings some of his friends and they have a fellowship. Think about that. There's somewhere the person got delivered. There was a deliverance. There was an encounter. But they did not pursue God. So somewhere. Can I tell you, listen. Most demons are visitors. Lust is a visitor. It'll leave and it'll come back. It'll leave and try to, you know, will try to creep its way in there. Fear, depression, many times God will deliver you from it, but it, many, they're roaming around just, you know, trying to find its way back. You need to fill yourself up with Christ. Matthew chapter 3 verse 11 says, I baptize you with water for repentance, for he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit in fire. It's a fire baptism. In other words, water isn't enough. See, some interpret the baptism as fire as referring to the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was sent from heaven. Think about this, Acts chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Anybody who had success in ministry in the kingdom of God in the Bible at one point was referred to a fire. At one point was linked to a baptism of fire. At one point the spirit of God touched him. You can speak about Moses when he's in front of the all-consuming fire, the bush that's, that's being lit up. You can speak about the disciples in the, in the, um, in the upper room with the um, Holy Ghost fire touching them. John the Baptist, he's baptizing people in water. But when Jesus comes, he's baptized me in, in fire. Church, this is what we need. We need the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Ghost to come and anoint our ministries, anoint our couples, our men, our women, our children. Amen. We need the nursery to be set on fire this morning. <laughs> we need our children to come out of their speaking in tongues this morning, all right? <laughs> Listen, somewhere we need, we need God to get involved. We need the Spirit of God to begin to help us. We're not going to build anything if it's not with God. Yeah, we'll build a social club. No, we'll, we'll build something. Well, we can get some people here, but if we want to build anything that's worth, you know, something that, that's going to change the world, that's going to set the world upside down. We need, we need the Holy Ghost. We need God to get involved. We need each and every single one of us to be touched by God. You want this revival to change your life? Well, then somewhere you need God to touch you. Listen, there's, there's not enough cunning and clever words as a preacher that you can give people. There's sermons, man, that people will come up to you and say, man, I love that sermon. And they're still as heathen as they were when they came into church. They're still sinners. They're still, I mean, somewhere it didn't do anything to them. It just made them feel good. Somewhere we, at some point, you're going to need the words of God. At some point, you're going to need the Holy Ghost to touch you. I mean, even in baptism, think about this. That you can get baptized of water, but at some point, you need the baptism of fire. You need the Holy Ghost to help you make it. It's a Christian movie called Woodlawn. How many of you guys have ever seen that movie? All right, one person. I've seen it, all right? <laughs> Woodlawn, which was about a small high school in Birmingham, Alabama, um, this, this, the, the movie is about a story about this high school who was revolutionized by the Jesus People movement. Have you guys ever heard that one? 
that where a bunch of hippies got saved? <laughs> Jesus people movement. They saw Holy Ghost conversions. And in the midst of that, racism was dealt with. Let I me mean, think about that. That somewhere because of the Holy Ghost, a political issue was resolved. Can I tell you this morning, you, don't, um, you might sort of need it, but you don't need President Donald Trump to get reelected. You need God to get involved. You need someone, you need the Holy Ghost to come and touch your people, your city, yourself, your family. You need God to get involved. That's what we need. I think it was Pastor Greg Mitchell said, there is no politician in this world that can solve our issues. It's God. What we need is God to bring fire upon our souls. We can't continue to just be on the bleachers and on the stands and just watch this thing happen. We, we need to get involved. We need Jesus. How many of you guys want to get baptized by fire? Marked by the Holy Ghost. So that when hell becomes against you, it's like, man, I can't touch these people anymore. God's touched them. God's already got a hold of them. I, I got to find another way to do it. But listen, somewhere this is what we need, church. We need Jesus to touch us this morning. And I wonder if you'll surrender. I wonder if you'll say, you know what, God? Consume me. Send your fire upon my life. Even if it touches areas that I don't want it to touch. Even if it goes into places where I don't want it to go. God, I just need you to just come and do something in my life. That's the attitude we need when it comes down to revival. That's the attitude we need. You know, it's amazing. I, I, it, it trips me out. I don't know. Like, I'm all... For some reason, these last two days, I'm always thinking about Kanye West. <laughs> I've listened to his album a few times, and, you know, in summer, you begin to just read his lyrics, and you're just like, my goodness. You're like, it's, and I was telling Jerry, I was like, that's what conversion is. Could you imagine what Paul got converted? You know, people were just walking around saying, that dude? You know, that, that, he was, he was persecuted, and he was, he was trying to kill my Christian cousin the other day, you know? <laughs> like, and so it's like, and he's, he's doing, isn't that the same reaction you kind of get when you hear like Kanye? I was, you know, yesterday we were, we were having a wonderful time fellowshipping here, right? With all of our kids. And we had Kanye West playing. <laughs> I mean, think about that. That somewhere you're just like, wow, that's what God can do. And that's what we want here. We want radical conversions. We want raw sinners to come. You know, even if they smell like weed, it's fine. Let, let, let them come in church and get delivered by God. Marriages, marriages, we want couples to come in, even if they're fighting all the way up here. God can do something. You know, while the world rejects them, we take them in. We take in all the drug addicts. We take in all the perverts, right? We take them all in so that God can begin to do something in their lives. This is why we need the Holy Ghost, because if not, we'll bring them in and they'll begin to affect us. They'll begin to touch us. We need God. We need Jesus to do this. And if we want this revival to go the way we want it to go, we need to start today. We need to start this morning. Can I get every head bowed and every eye closed? You've just listened to the Potter's House Tri-Cities Podcast located here in Pasco, Washington. Thanks again for listening. And we hope you come back for more.